Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. Oh, hello again. It's good to still be seeing you guys. And if you're watching online, you have no idea why that's kind of funny. See, if you only get to watch online, and you understand if you live far away, excuse me a second while I talk to online. If you live far away or you just can't make it on Sundays, you totally get it. But you miss the good stuff, like the live music and all that. And so we really wanted to meet you in person. I got to lead the band today. It was fun. Anyway, it's good to be seen by you online. It's good to see you guys here uh, live right now. And um, we're going to be talking about, surprise, surprise, God tonight. And talk a little bit about Jesus. And, you know, that can bring up questions. And Cross Creek was created to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And with that, we want to be there with people as they're asking questions, as they're walking through their journey of faith. And so to do that uh, best, if you're here, there's a card next to the welcome card that we talked about earlier that says uh, connect. At the bottom of that card, you can uh, check the box that says, I have a so what about question. And then you write your question on the back of that card. And we will uh, get back to you this week with maybe some further thoughts on your question or, you know, hey, have you looked here and thought about that? So any question you have about Jesus or Christianity or anything like that, we want to be a part of that conversation. Now, you might have seen walking around or maybe you checked us out online or whatever that we are a church that is for sale. See, we believe God is for sale, and often the church is known for what it's against and not what it's for, and we want to be for what God is for, and God is for our neighbors. God is for Salem, and every month we do a for Salem challenge, how we can be for our neighbors. This month, it's a, this challenge has three parts to it, and it has to do with our Safe Spaces campaign, which is uh, we are raising $15,000 to re-gravel ex and expand the parking lot out there and donate one-third of everything raised to an organization called Every Child that Works with Foster Kid, foster kid Families and, and uh, people in that situation. So our challenge for this month is to do three things. Pray for this campaign. We raise the amount of money that we need. Two, if we post about it on our social media pages, please share it. You don't have to, you don't even have to have stepped foot in this building to share our post about uh, our Safe Spaces campaign. And that would make you one of our partners. It's not an official title, you don't have to tell people that. But you can partner with us by sharing the uh, posts that we do about Safe Spaces. So find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, yourcrosscreek.com. And then uh, another thing you can do is actually uh, physically participate, be a financial donor. We're looking for, uh, do we have the, the thing? Yeah, that thing. So we're looking for certain levels of partnership. We have, um, we are actually, we have two partners at 1,000 already, which is awesome. And quite a few at 100 and 250 and 50. So thank you so much. If that's you, you're on that list. Thank you so much. But uh, there's still a ways to go. We're doing this for six months and we are about two weeks in. 
And so uh, please pray about maybe participating financially with that. One other thing, I know I'm going fast, but one other thing with this parking lot, a good question that's been raised, I would call it a so what about question. The question basically goes like this. Hey, John, I'm like, hey, doesn't Cross Creek rent this building? Like, you don't own that parking lot. You don't own this building, this property, and that's 100% right. We are renting this facility from Gateway Community Church. And so then, you know, and I know this is coming, the follow-up question to that is, then why are we paying for the parking lot? Right? Like, if you rent a house and something breaks, like the, you need a new driveway, you don't put in a new driveway in a rental house, right? You, the landlord does that. Well, our reasoning for raising the money for the parking lot is threefold. One, we need it. We're running out of space, and in the winter it's really muddy, and we just need a new parking lot. Uh, two is, if you notice, when it gets really hot in here in the summer, and you'll notice that in a couple weeks, actually you won't, because this building has two AC units, heat pumps. One works great. This side of the building, so you guys are good right now, right? <laughs> this side of the building, it's broken. It's been broken since we got here. So Gateway, uh, this summer, is footing the bill to put in a new heat pump so that we can actually be cool in the evenings. They meet in the morning, so they don't really need air conditioning, but we meet in the evenings, and we do. And so they're paying to put that in, and so we, this is our third reason, we as good tenants and just brothers and sisters in, in Christ are uh, picking up our end of the deal and doing the parking lot. Because basically it's a thank you to Gateway, because if it wasn't for Gateway, we wouldn't exist basically as a church. We wouldn't have anywhere to meet. Um, the rent that they charge us barely anything when you look at rental spaces. So what we've been able to do is because of Gateway, so it's a way of saying thank you. Does that make sense? Good. All of that isn't even the intro to my message. Aren't you excited that you came today? Woo! Yes, me too. I'm really glad you're here. Because we are in the very last part of our three-week series that we call Now. Because now is important, if you think about it, right? Everything that we feel and, and go through is always now, right? The past is over, the future, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but what we have is right now. And what we've been seeing is that God wants what's best for us now. Not just, you know, struggle, hate, hate life, and just have a terrible life, be, follow all the rules, and then when you get to heaven, you'll, you'll be happy. Yes, he wants you to be, to be happy when you're with him for eternity, but he also wants you to be happy now. He wants you to be joyful now. Does that mean he wants you to have an easy life now? No. No. Does that mean, you know, God wants every, it's God's will that everyone is rich, and rich people are the ones God bless? No. That's not what happy means, right? God wants us to be happy no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what our bank account says, no matter what the doctor tells us about that mole on our back that our wife tells us to get taken care of for three years and our chiropractor says you get that checked, so I'll check for next week. <laughs> <laughs> you catch that? <laughs> See, there, there's things that try to rob us of our happiness now, and we've talked about two of those. The first one was our past, right? Guilt and shame from our past try to rob us of now. Things that we can't change are ruining what we could enjoy right now. And then last week we talked about kind of distractions. How for, for, so, for so many of us, we miss what's going on right now because we're just trying to get through now by distracting ourselves, entertaining ourselves, doing things that don't really matter. And I talked about my phone use, and I'll tell you that it's down this week, just so you know. So I tried to practice what I preached. 
I won't tell you how much it was down, but it was down. <laughs> so this week, if you, if you capture the drift, we talked about our past, we talked about our present. So this week, we're talking about our future, how we often miss out on enjoying and experiencing now because we're so busy wishing or yearning for a better tomorrow. And it really doesn't matter what age you are. I think this is just part of the human experience. Now, I'll generalize a little bit. So I'll say usually, if you think about it, right, kids, younger kids, they can't wait to be teenagers. Like, that's the big thing for my, my kids are uh, six, four, and three. And, like, if there's a teenager, they're a teenager, huh? Like, they don't love the word teenager, which gives me a different feeling than it gives them. But they say, is that a teenager? I can't wait till I'm a teenager. Like, that's, their, that's the big deal for them. They just can't wait. They're like, you're six. Just enjoy that you don't have front teeth right now. <laughs> enjoy that you're actually cute and you can get away with the stuff you try to get away with. But they, just, they can't see that. They just keep hoping, hoping for the future. But then when they become teenagers, right, they're not just going to be happy being, yes, I'm a teenager. I've arrived. It's the best part of my life. Remember when you are a teenager? Remember that you are a teenager if you are a teenager? You're not really enjoying being a teenager, right? So you think back and you're just starting to sweat right now. Like you used to uncontrollably sweat back then. Remember that? That was fun. But teenagers, they can't wait to get the driver's license. They can't wait to get out of school or, or get out of the house. And then they do, and they're and now you're a young adult. And usually, you know, the you, you don't just enjoy being a young adult because well, you don't have as much money as, as people your age do on that sitcom on TV where they can go to the coffee shop and bar all the time and still have all this money in the world. They're always eating out. How does that even happen? And have this huge apartment. You don't get to have that because that's not life. And so you're hoping and wishing for the future where maybe you could be married and have a combined income or or have, you know, have, have a career, a steady career. And then, and then you get that and you get married. And now you're hoping for a house and you're hoping maybe for kids. And you're forgetting about what you actually have now. And then you have kids, and you cannot wait for those kids to get older. <laughs> and people will tell you, oh, the days are long. I know they're long, but the years are so short. They grow up so fast. And you're going to want to punch them in the face. Because <laughs> you realize, yes, it is going fast, but sometimes it's just not going fast enough. <laughs> but then you have older kids, and you can't wait till they get out of the house, usually. Right? Or... Um, you can't wait until you retire, or you can't wait until you have grandkids, or you can't wait until, or you can't wait until, or you'll be happy when, right? We're always hoping for something in the future. And hoping is good, right? Hoping is good, but we miss out on now by waiting for tomorrow. We miss out on now by just waiting for tomorrow. So just enjoying now. It's okay to hope, but when we start pining and yearning and being just not happy with now because of tomorrow, we miss out. We miss the beauty of now. Opportunities we could take now. Adventures we could have now. Experiences we could have now because we're pining away for something that might happen or might not even happen. We not only miss out on now, but we actually ruin what we could have now. Because always just yearning for this future makes us restless. Makes us annoyed and dissatisfied with what, and maybe even who we have right now. And here's, like I said, 
that hoping, that wishing that we're wasting now for doesn't always happen. The tomorrow we hope for rarely becomes a reality. Because we're hoping for this perfect future. Right? When I have my driver's license, now I have freedom. Well, no, because now I have to pay for insurance and for gas and for a car. Right? It never happens. In fact, this isn't anything new. This is something that we, we always do. This is, I mean, people are always hoping for a better future than now, right? In 1966, this is what they thought life in 1999 would be like. Do you enjoy your jetpacks? Do you enjoy traveling by tube? No, you don't. They thought, hey, you know, let's, let's smoke our cigarette before we get on the spaceship. You can't tell he's, he's smoking. Not a joint, but cigarette. That's what they thought school would be like, right? Pumping all the knowledge into it, like the Matrix. And then, of course, the Jetsons, right? You guys enjoy your dinner of a pill today? No. But they thought, oh, we're going to have robots. We're going to know the aliens. We're going to push a button and pancakes will jump out. And be... We're always wishing for a better tomorrow that probably isn't going to turn out the way you're hoping for. Right? So we, we waste our now for something that might not happen. Like I said, it's nothing new. It's part of the human experience. In fact, the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, knew all about this tendency in us. He wrote about it, and he actually told us how we could be happy now. He, he tells us in this letter that we call the Book of Philippians in the New Testament. It's a letter that he wrote to uh, this church in Philippi, Greece. Now, the Apostle Paul, you may have heard of him, He's a, a big deal in the church world. But he started out as this religious zealot, basically, uh, a, a Jewish religious zealot. And when Christianity first started, he took it on himself to destroy this new cult, as he considered it. But then he met Jesus, and his life totally turned around. He became this guy who went all around the Mediterranean area planting churches and basically starting, helping start Christianity in the, in the first century. And so one of those trips that he took was to Philippi in Greece around 50 AD. Well, this one, yeah, 50 AD. And Philippi was a colony of former soldiers. So not the, not the really nice, soft, churchy people that we often think of starting a church, right? These are former Roman soldiers that he started a church with. It's the first church in Europe, and he founds it, and then 10 years later, he's writing to them. In the section we're going we're gonna to read, he's actually, right before, he's thanking the Philippians for, um, for supporting him, for actually sending him financial gifts so he could do his ministry. And he's in the middle of talking about that, where he talks about how uh, we can avoid letting tomorrow steal our now. So it's going to be in Philippians chapter 4, starting verse 11, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, everything's going to be on the screen, so you are, you're in good hands with Cross Creek. Okay, but let's, let's see what Paul says about, enjoy, about um, yeah, enjoying our now. Philippians 4, 11. I'm not saying this. He said, hey, thanks for your gift. Thanks for sending me that money so I can, I can do more ministry. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And here's, here's the, the, maybe the key for tonight. Contentment is the backbone of happiness. If you want to be happy now, learn to be content. Because contentment is the backbone of happiness. See, when we're busy wishing for tomorrow, we become unhappy with what and who we have today. We become 
discontent. Right? We want more. We want better. And if not more or better, at least different than what we have now. I want to be more like them. I want to have what they have. I want to be different than whatever I'm stuck with right now. And not only do we want that, but we feel that we deserve it. We don't put it in those words, right? Oh, I deserve a better food. Sometimes we do, maybe. But there's that feeling that's that, well, you know, I deserve that future. I deserve more of this or better better that. And what we have, we feel like it's owed to us, this, this ideal future of ours. And so what we have now is kind of below us, beneath us, right? Just, just not good enough for the likes of me, and we become unhappy with what we have and who we are right now. And Paul says, if you want to be happy no matter what, learn to be content. And you might be thinking, yeah, but that's the Apostle Paul. Right? This is like Mr. Superstar, superhero, Christian church planter guy. Easy for him to say, oh, just be content with whatever you have. You don't know what I've gone through, Paul. Nice, you know, nice way just to gloss over it with some holy words and whatever. It's not the case with Paul. <clears throat> Verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. See, Paul knew both sides. He knew what it was to have everything you need and even more than you need and still be content. And he knew what it was like to have absolutely nothing, <coughs> not know where your next meal is going to come from, and still be content. You're like, prove it. Good. He proves it here. 2 Corinthians, Paul's talking about everything he's gone through in uh, his life of following Jesus. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one, which is a fancy way of saying 39 lashes. <laughs> Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Think of that. This is like 2,000 years ago. There's no Coast Guard, no helicopters coming for you. He's in the open sea for a night and a day. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. But there's more. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, so all that on the outside, but inwardly it's not that easy either. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. If you ever led any type of organization or group, you understand that kind of pressure that he feels. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. He's leading all these things, and yet he still has temptations that he has to deal with. He still has uh, wants and desires that he's got to deal with. He has to deal with not having what he wants to have. Sounds like a horrible life, doesn't it? Who's going to sign up for the 40 lashes minus one? Oh, and I forgot. While he's writing this, he's in a Roman prison. Yet he says he has learned the secret to being content in every situation. The secret. And the word there he uses talks about like this mysterious knowledge. This, this mystical, only the, 
the way the Greeks would use it, this is something only the gods know. And if you think about it, contentment, being content with where we are right now, who we are right now, who we have, what we have right now, really is kind of a mystery to us, isn't it? And we think it's just something that will, will happen to us. I mean, we try to be happy and content. So I'm going to wake up and be like, yeah, today I'm going to make myself miserable. It's going to be great. <laughs> so we chase after money, thinking that will make us content. Or, or um, you know, food, or prestige, or entertainment, or sex. And it always leaves us with wanting more. We're never fully satisfied with these things. We're never fully content. We see people with everything, right? We, we see these famous actors and these famous people with everything. And they're still not content. They're ruining their lives trying to find that one thing that will make them content. And it doesn't happen. And we, we see people with nothing. Maybe we go to another country and we see people with nothing and yet they're happy. And they're content. But we also see it the other way around too, right? You know people maybe that have had wealth but they're content and they're happy. You know people who might not have as much, who aren't content, who are always wanting more. See, here's the thing, it doesn't matter how much you have. What you have has nothing to do with how content you are. What you have has nothing to do with how content you are. You can have a whole, you're going to be the richest man in the world and still not be content. And you can be the poorest and still not be content, and vice versa. Here's the thing, Christianity isn't the only belief system to agree with that. The Stoics of Paul's time, maybe you heard about being Stoic, right? You're just kind of firm and solid. Right? They believe your, your strength came from within. You needed to calmly accept whatever happens to you. Basically be tough and just, just shred it off and be Stoic. Right? And then there's East, Eastern philosophies where you know, you're, you're discontent because you're too attached to this world. You're discontent because you want stuff. So rise above it. Find contentment within yourself. Well, they agree with that idea, but Paul is different. Christianity is different. He's saying, not rise above your situation. He's saying, you're not saying detach from the world and seek contentment with yourself, basically ignoring your circumstances. Paul says he has learned to be content in every circumstance. See, not just ignore it. Not just, not just say it's, it's part of your attachment to the physical world, but actually look at your situation square in the face and accepting the reality of your circumstances and still being content in it and being content through it. It doesn't come from just choosing to detach, just forcing yourself to be content or just letting life happen to you because it's better than that. It's more active than that. It's more powerful than that. And you might not like this word, but I did. It's more aggressive than that. It's something that sets following Jesus apart from any other philosophy or belief system. And it's in what Paul says next. And this is one of the most misused and misquoted verses in the Bible. But the secret to contentment is in this verse. Verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can go through all of these things and still be content through him, meaning Jesus, who gives me strength. See, the secret to true contentment is relying on the strength of Jesus. The secret to true contentment is relying on the strength 
of Jesus. It's not choosing to give up attachments and just letting life happen to you. Oh, yeah, just go with the flow. It's not finding some inner strength that ends up running out and just leaving you feeling defeated and exhausted. The secret to contentment, the secret to a happy, content life is relying on the empowerment of Jesus. And it's active. See, Paul doesn't say, I, I can accept all circumstances. Well, you have to accept it anyway, it's reality. He says, I can do all of this. Do is an action. I can be actively, aggressively content in every situation. In, in the big things, in the small things, in the good things, in the bad things, in the easy things, in the hard things, I can make a difference. I can live a life of purpose. I can choose contentment and happiness no matter the circumstance. And here's the thing. If you are a Jesus follower, if you follow Jesus, you have the love, peace, and power of Jesus in your circumstance. It's not your strength. It's all done through His strength. The strength that even death can't overpower. If you have this strength, whatever circumstance you are in, you can face it head on. And you, be, you can be content. So you can be happy. And you can be at peace. How? Good question. Don't just let somebody say something like that and then walk away like, wow, that was deep. If you can't use it when you leave, it's not worth it. So how do we do that? Well, let's go back a little bit. Verse 11 and 12. I'm not saying it's because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. I have learned the secret of being content. Contentment doesn't just happen. It's not just like you, you, one day you wake up like, oh, I'm content with everything I have. Contentment is learned and practiced. It is something you learn, and it is something you practice. You have, to pre you have to practice relying on the strength of Jesus to learn to be content. You know how you practice relying on Jesus? Well, Paul actually talks about it a little bit earlier in this letter. He says, rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. No, rejoice in the Lord when everything's going great. Rejoice in the Lord when you don't have that unexpected bill. No, rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you weren't listening, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about everything, about anything. But in every situation, good or bad, by prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it won't make sense to you why you're peaceful, it won't make sense to your friends why you are peaceful, because everything is falling apart. Transcend, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thankfulness cultivates reliance, which in turn produces contentment. Let me explain that. See, thankfulness cultivates reliance. Reliance produces Contentment. When you thank God for everything you have, you realize that none of it comes from you. Yeah, but I worked hard for that money. Well, who gave you the healthy body to work hard for that money? If you got sick tomorrow and couldn't work, you have no control over that. Everything you have is from God. When you thank Him for everything you have, you realize it's all from Him. You realize you are 100% reliant on God for everything. When you see that the God of the universe has taken care of you, has given you everything you have, 
you can be content. No matter what, because you have God providing for you. Think about that. You realize he hasn't forgotten about you. He has given you what you need. When you are thankful, you acknowledge that God has given you what is best for you for right now. You don't need anything else right now. Because thankfulness produces contentment. That's the how. Be thankful. But I don't feel thankful. It doesn't say when you feel thankful. Just be thankful. Choose it. It's an action that you can choose to do or not do. Think about this. Have you ever met a discontent, thankful person? Or a thankful person who's discontent? It doesn't exist. Right? People who are thankful are content. So what does this, what does this look like? Or how? If you are a Jesus follower, I know not everybody here is, and I know not everybody watching considers themselves a Jesus follower. But if you are a Jesus follower, when you pray, when you ask for what you don't have, which is good to do, it's good to ask God and let him know what your heart is and to be honest, completely honest, 100% honest, because he already knows it. You're honest with what you need, maybe with what you want. Also, thank him for what you do have. It's okay to ask for what you don't have, but in that, also be thankful and thank him for what you do have. Uh, our kids are getting older. We bought our house before we had kids, and it has no yard. We have two boys and a girl. It's summer break. So we're looking for a new house. And as we are praying for this new house, we've got to open these opportunities for us and open literal doors. It's very easy, at least for me, to be very discontent with the wonderful house God has given us. And it's in a great neighborhood. It's safe, you know. They've got trees in the back we can look at. It's very beautiful. But it's so easy to become discontent with that because it's not what I want right now. But God provided it for us. So I can be thankful that we ate, we have a house. You know, we have a, a great neighborhood. You know, when, when, when I get... What's the word? Because they're my kids. Annoyed? With my kids? Right? Oh my gosh, I can't wait till they're older. God, will you just make them stop being so kiddish? I can also say that I have kids. But they're happy. But they're happy. But they are still old and young enough to be excited when I come home. And yell goodbye out the window when I'm leaving every single time I leave. <laughs> so the whole neighborhood knows I'm leaving. <laughs> I can be thankful that they're at that age. See, here's, here's your, your assignment for tonight. You can write this on your, on your hand, or if you're sitting by something, write it on their hand. When dreaming turns into discontentment, do a now assessment. I know it doesn't make sense, but it rhymes. When dreaming turns into discontentment, when you're dreaming about your future, and that, that's okay to do, but when that makes you discontent with your now, do a now assessment. What do you have now that you're thankful for? What good things has God given you now that you can be thankful for? That's the now assessment. Assess what you have now. 
Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, you can still be thankful. If there is a God, let's, let's give you that. If there is a God, and He really is for you, like, we're, like we say over and over, then there should be proof in your life. Right? If God is for you, there really is a God, there should be proof in your life that He's for you. Think back, what are those coincidences where you're like, wow, if that didn't work out, I would have where I'd be. Or if, you know, if, if that person didn't come through, or if I didn't, if I didn't have that opportunity, where you could you could look back and say, oh wow, look at that coincidence that turned into that coincidence that turned into that coincidence. It's almost like somebody organized all these great things to happen. Weird. Coincidence or care? I'm gonna venture that it's care. Every, every good thing comes from God. So thank him. You don't even have to believe that he's listening. Or even believe that he even exists. You can just say thank you. I mean, it's still better than being discontent about what you can't change, right? But maybe it's time to rely on something other than luck. Maybe it's time to rely on something other than this universe or uh, inner strength. Maybe it's time to rely on someone else. Someone who predicted their own death and resurrection then actually pulled it off. That's someone I think you can trust. See, it's only through Jesus' love and power that you, that you can find contentment in any and all situations. So, God wants you to be happy now. Don't let it be stolen from you. Let it be stolen by dwelling on the past, by just, just trying to get through our days. And don't let it be stolen. Don't, let, don't lose what you could have now for what might happen in the future. Do a now assessment. Now is all we have. Now is a gift from God. Every breath we have is a gift from God. Be thankful for it. Be thankful for where you are now, for who you are now. Rely on the strength of Jesus to be all you were designed to be right now. Rely on the strength of Jesus to be all you were designed to be. He made you who you are on purpose, for a purpose. Rely on his strength to be that right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for every gift you've given us. Thank you for the gifts that we don't even know about, the things that you, you've put into place and orchestrated that we, we didn't even know you did that. Thank you for being for us. Thank you for loving us. Teach us to be thankful. Show us what you have, what you have done for us. Show us what you have given us. Show us your love and how real you really are. In Jesus' name, amen. So next week, starting a new series, talking about discovering God, what is he really like? You know, often when you, when people will say, hey, that, that God that, you know, I hear about in, in the Old Testament that, you know, those people on the corner are screaming at me about, that doesn't sound like the God you talk about, John. How are they the same person? What is, how does this God who is for me also, you know, uh, smite babies in ancient Babylon or 
How does that work? We're going to talk about that. Okay, we're going to discover who God really is. So that'll be the next six weeks. So invite a friend. Invite yourself back. Have a great week. Thanks for being here.